0: Do you
1: understand the ramifications that this case could have? It
2: was supposed to be a system that, that benefited all sides. So here's the $64,000 question. COVID-19, in my opinion, is the meteorite that hit the earth. It's headed to the Supreme Court in a bunch of different lanes. Tell us about that. Welcome to Civilly Speaking with host Sean Harris. Civilly Speaking brings you interviews on practical and timely legal issues on the local and national level. We hope these stories inspire you and remind you of the impact we have as advocates for our clients. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Hello, and welcome to Civilly Speaking, OEJ's podcast for trial lawyers by trial lawyers. I'm your host, Sean Harris, and today we're discussing car crash litigation and the unseen effects of car crashes. Our guests today are Nathan Stuckey, founding attorney of the Stuckey Firm and OAJ's current vice president, and Reese Richards from Hamilton, Ohio, attorney and owner of the Richards Firm, who also sits on OAJ's board of trustees. Nate, Reese, thanks very much for joining us here on Simply Speaking. Thanks for having us. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Thanks for having us. Before we get started, a quick message from one of our sponsors. Physician Life Care Planning is a full-service nationwide provider of damages valuation services that specializes in the formulation of compensatory economic damages that include future medical damages, loss of earnings and earning capacity, and loss of household services. For more information, contact John Logaman at john at Physician. LCP.com. Well, Nate and Reese, our topic today is car crashes. As you may have seen, the Ohio State Highway Patrol reported in 2021, there was the highest number of crash fatalities in nearly 20 years. Uh, that same data shows that crashes categorized as injury possible, minor injury suspected, and serious injury suspected also increased in number last year. Any thoughts as to what is uh, driving that increase? No no pun intended.
1: Well, I mean, let's uh, preface it by saying uh, throughout pandemic, uh, we were fortunate enough to be in a situation where, because our building is sort of uh, skinny and long between two streets in downtown Hamilton here, we we were able to continue to come in and, and you know, be more than spaced out safely and all those sorts of things. Uh, so we were in a bit of a different situation than I guess a lot of people because we didn't necessarily have to utilize at-home options and virtual options as much. And so, you know, we saw those those ghost streets, I I guess on the, on the way in and, and later 2020 and, uh, into 21. And then we also saw what seemed like, uh, at least to me, sort of like a free-for-all that occurred when people started to, to, you know, be able to go back to work and all those sorts of things. You know, so without any data or anything like that, all I can go on is personal experience uh, from the drive-in. For me, it's about 25 minutes each day uh, from home to the office. And I did notice in early 2021 20, with more people suddenly on the roadway again, um, uh, you know, there were a little bit more of a carefree attitude when it comes to safety and and uh, you know simple things like changing lanes with turn signals uh, to warn others uh things like uh, I saw. i see more and more and this is still occurring and, I, and i'm sure this is always the case and, and maybe i'm just being a little bit sensitive having gone through the the early times of pandemic when there weren't as many people on the roadway but i see a lot of people running red lights uh, even in, in our downtown area here and it just it's sort of surprising to me because i guess I've always thought that that's sort of an obvious one. Uh, sure, you, you might see people blow a, a, street, a street sign, like a stop stop sign uh, in like a neighborhood and they shouldn't do that obviously, but that happens from time to time. But, but streetlights, literally people running streetlights. So, you know, I, I don't know. And again, no quantitative uh, numbers or anything like that to back up my suspicion, but just having that many people back at what they wanted to be normal life as we were sort of coming out of the the really bad months of pandemic, you know, just increase the number of people on the roadway. And and that sort of carefree attitude, I think, really, really comes into play, unfortunately.
2: I certainly had heard those anecdotes as well, that, you know, people were kind of bottled up in in 2020. And then 2021, A, they were really excited to get back out and kind of, as you say, carefree attitude. And and B, the roads were uh, more empty. And so I'd heard stories about, excessive speeding running red lights people just said well there's nobody on the road doesn't matter
1: yeah and it's there's also sort of a, an attitudinal thing about it too is is what i i see anecdotally um you know, we have a right to be out there now, and and you know, God forbid we we follow basic basic rules of the road and things like that because we've been let out of the the the, uh, the genie lamp, if you will, again, and and we can we, we have a right to be here. We can do whatever we want, and damn you if you get in the way in the process. You know, like I, I don't know, it's it's interesting because I think that that has somewhat gone to the wayside as we we got farther into 2021 and into this year. But like I said, there are still I still see things that I don't really remember seeing. And I'm all all three of us are those freaks that look in our rear view, you know, every 30 seconds while we're driving. And we pretty much see everything around us because we do what we do. Right. You know, not all of our friends are in that same sort of freakish mode. Right. But it does seem like there are still plenty of things like a running of a stoplight in a downtown area that I see with so, so much frequency. It, it just doesn't register that that happened a lot before. You know, you
0: know I, I think another thing that maybe has nothing to do with the pandemic or, or anything, it may be a little off track here, but is all the new toys and technology that are in all these cars, right? All of it's cool. We all pay more for it. Uh, we all want the the bells and the whistles, but at the same time, um, they're distracting, they're causing issues, they're causing us to pay attention to things that are, are not the most important thing, and that's the safety of uh, us, the people in our car, and, and even more importantly, the people uh, who don't know what we're doing. And so I think that that has created, um, you know, technology as a whole across the country has has created things that we could sit here and talk about all day long, from from phones to to social media and everything else. And we got people taking TikToks and uh, doing videos and, and and everything else while they should be focusing on driving. And so I, I think that that in and of itself has compounded all the other issues.
2: Well, and you're right, distracted driving uh, between uh, phones and everything built into the cars these days. A lot of times, I don't know about you guys, when when you're evaluating a potential case, and it's blowing a stop sign or a red light or an ACDA. I almost assume unless it's shown to be not the case, that there was some kind of distraction, some kind of technological distraction these days. And it's not necessarily only young people. I know that's always kind of the assumption that it's that it's young people who are tick tocking or whatever the kids are doing these days. But it's but it's us. Right. It's not it's not just the kids, it's middle age and older folks just as much.
0: Well, that's just a scary thing. I mean, you drive down the road and you look left, you look right. I think all three of us would agree that you see more and more people not just talking on the phone, uh, but also looking down at their phone while driving, while moving, uh, whether they're watching a video, whether they're, again, recording a video, talking on the phone, texting, who knows. But the other scary thing for me is all the people that, that drive and wear the, the headphones, which is, is distracting in and of itself. And I, I just, I don't
2: understand it, but... Um, I was going to ask you, I don't understand that either. What why, What's that about? Do, there, do their cars not have speakers? Maybe it looks cool, Sean. I don't know. Yeah, mm. right.
1: I would only suggest it does not look cool, number one. And number two, I, I can't understand it for the life of me, but I, I see that as well. And I'm like... What like does maybe the car doesn't have Bluetooth connectivity or something, right? So you can't stream yeah. the podcast from your phone to your car. I, I don't know. Okay, listen to the podcast later. Like it just doesn't make sense all the way around.
2: Well, speaking of uh, you know car crashes and and the increased number, the most obvious harms that come from a car crash are the are the physical injuries. Those are the most apparent. But I think uh, lawyers these days are focusing more and learning more about the psychological effects from being involved in a car crash, what are sometimes called the unseen or the invisible injuries. What have uh, you been seeing in each of your practices uh, when it comes to uh, the psychological or, or the invisible injuries?
0: I, I think. You know when evaluating these cases in the past and moving forward, a lot of these insurance companies and, and from the defense side, they're they're trying to minimize the injuries using you know R V B and, and everything else. And I think a lot of us get caught up arguing against that and forget that the real damages, the 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 increasing amount of damages that our clients are dealing with now and into the future are the the non-economics, right? And so um, the anxiety, the fear, the uh, emotional distress, the embarrassment, the anger, all of those things that we're not doing as lawyers enough to uh, really evaluate and uh, put forth the best effort we can so that these people in the in the other room, on the other side of this phone call uh, that are evaluating demands and evaluating these cases in litigation, uh, can really put more money on the table and, and, and fairly compensate our clients. And so I think we have to do a better job of uh, facilitating that conversation.
2: That's a good point. And that's certainly different than, you know, when I started 20 years ago, where you kind of you know, looked at the medical bills and you looked at the lost wages and you calculated it out based on that. Um, and I think you're right, Nate, that we're kind of coming to the realization, probably a couple of years too late, that you know when you're talking about medical bills that's the value to the to the insurance company or the value to the to the medical provider that's not the value of the loss to the individual same with lost wages how much they make that's the value of that person to the employer that's not the value of the person inherently
0: yeah i think that's true and i always tell my clients you know my job is to tell your story right and if I don't do my job and getting to know you sitting down, learning your lifestyle before this crash, before this uh, incident took place, then I certainly can't do a good job of knowing how it's affected your life and, and then telling your story and putting that person who's making that evaluation, putting them in your shoes rather than you being another line on a piece of paper of hundreds of other names. Right. And so as, Civil uh, attorneys, we have to do a better job of, of getting to know our clients, learning what they're going through and really doing a better job of telling your story and putting those adjusters and those defense attorneys in their shoes.
1: I think that's a really good point, Nate, um, you know, to piggyback on, on your comments. uh It feels like a lot of times, and this has always been the case, uh, but when we have more diagnostic ability these days to diagnose unseen consequences, whether it's uh, related to a a head injury or a psychological impact, those sorts of things, you know, we really are in a realm where not only is it important to, to really understand where our clients are coming from, but where it's almost as important for us as the practitioner to sort of slow down and take a step back. Sure, we have a job to do. And we know we each have our own approaches to a practice and things that we like to accomplish by a certain time frame. We want, we want to get those records and bills in uh, and think, think through the case so that, you know, uh, we're preparing it essentially for a jury at some point down the road if it gets there. Unfortunately, too many of them don't. But from the practitioner standpoint, it's almost like we need to slow down a little bit and actually listen, I, I can't count the number of times that, that I'm shocked when, you know, you're sitting in a deposition and a client explains something in a way, you know, you've, you've hopefully prepped your client and you've talked through how to talk about those sort of un, unseen consequences. And then your client at deposition says it better than you could ever even think of because your client is the one living it, right? Uh, your client is the one that, uh, you know, I had a case recently, it involved a, a larger commercial vehicle. Well, my client is the one that's flinching every time she's on, you know, a rural or or especially, a, you know, an interstate uh, uh, roadway and not just semi-tractor trailers, but like the, the plumbing van goes by, you know, she's the one that's flinching. It's not us. And I think sometimes, and this is just, I guess, human nature, it's no fault of our own, but we nevertheless, I think should be cognizant of it. We just sort of get blinders because like everyone, we have a job to do too. Um, but sometimes just slowing down and, and really trying to set it all aside and, and listen to what our, our clients are saying can can help not just in, in developing you know their approach to treatment and all those sorts of things, but can help us be better for them.
2: So you're saying lawyers should listen to their clients?
1: Well, it might be like a, a human-based thing, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure this is not the case for either of you, but but my wife would suggest that I maybe should listen more in general. You know, maybe we should not talk sometimes and, and listen first. Let somebody complete a sentence before we start in. But again, it might
2: not be just lawyers here. <laughs> there might be more to it. What a novel concept.
0: Yeah, I think it takes another step, though, even, even in... Uh, above that is you know having a conversation on the phone with your client meeting with them in person one or two times is not isn't isn't going to be enough um you know i i've had other attorneys who i i look up to um as mentors like andy young um who i've spent a lot of time with i've, I've litigated cases with that have shown me that you know, meeting with your client, spending time with them at their house, um, in their in their in their places of leisure, you know, all those types of things is where you really learn about your client. You really because they're the ones that are then in the comfortable position of everyday life rather than sitting in your in your office, right? So you go, you meet with them, you spend some quality time at their house or or at the park where they like to to hang out, or at their you know place of employment if if that works, um, and you really see what they go through during the day and, and how this crash or this or this occurrence has has changed their life or affected uh, their well being, and I I think that that's one cog that a lot of us you know think well we don't have enough time to do that I've got all these clients and i i don't have enough time to to spend an hour at their house or four hours at their house and and we've got to find time we've got because that's that's our job and we've got to do a better job of, of of working hard and and putting uh the other side in their shoes and then on top of that is i don't know if you guys deal with this but getting them prepared for deposition and and those types of things can be difficult and spending the time Getting them prepared to answer the difficult questions about how everyday life has changed and washing the dishes, washing their hair, changing their clothes. Um, you know, being able to take care of a family member who's, who's in dire need, all those things, getting them prepared to, to really think through the questions they're going to, to, to get so that they can make those answers, uh, deliberately for, for deposition. Um, can be tough, especially when defense counsel isn't going to ask the right questions to elicit those answers. And so getting them prepared to uh, be able to provide that information, even when maybe not
2: directly asked is, is important. A lot of times we hear people talk about first framing the unseen or the psychological injuries as not talking about what the, the defendant took away from our client. But looking at what they left her with, what she has to deal with now. And I think that's a lot of what you guys are talking about. Have you seen surprising ways in your cases where this idea of an unseen injury, maybe that you didn't predict, or an unusual situation where this client's going to be dealing with something um, that's not normal, unusual, but here it is as part of the case?
1: I, uh, I finished up a case towards the end of last year uh, that involved a head injury. And so there are obviously a lot of, you know, the, the condition in and of itself is unseen. You know, the various symptomology and the sequel that comes out of it is, is, is all unseen for that matter. But, you know, we knew that she had, uh, I, if memory serves, it wasn't a constant headache, but that she had headaches fairly regularly. Uh, and then she had, uh, you know, the, the ringing in the ears and things like that when she explained at her deposition, you know, how that ringing affected things, that there were a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, complexities to it that we hadn't thought of we, we figured that it probably affected her sleep but to hear someone talk about how not only can she sometimes not get to sleep because of that that symptom there are other times where it wakes her up it's almost as if the ringing would would occur in her dreams right and so like there were these these layers to uh, and complexities to how how it exhibited itself for her that I don't think anybody would think of that unless they were were living that on a day-to-day basis, right?
0: I think another another way of doing it, you know, we've got so many people out there that believe our clients are all malingers, right? They're all making it up. They're all just trying to increase the amount of money that they're going to get as a result of this crash. Because you know, all of our clients, they they walk up and down the street and they get in their cars every day thinking, man, I really hope I get rear-ended so that I can go to PT for the next six months nonetheless i think one major piece or one major way of of really facilitating that conversation is by having other people whether it be their friends their co-workers people from church family members able to elaborate on what they can see the effects of this crash or this occurrence has done to their lives pre and post. And so I think having somebody else cooperate that information and those claims is, is vital and can be very well done because obviously they can see how it affected their lives, but they can also elaborate more on how it's affected themselves because their friend, is hurting. Their friend is changed. It's, it, they're not the same person. Their family member can't be there for them anymore. Uh, their their spouse, for, for all different types of reasons, uh, the, the the marriage has been affected. Yeah. So I think I think having other people, whether it be write diaries, whether it be do videos, whether it be write letters or 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 testify at deposition, all those things can be very touching.
1: The, the notion of, of others that that's a crucial one right I mean and not yeah. just family members I mean family members get poo poo just like our clients do right because they they're supposed to love that person and they're supposed to care about them and of course they're gonna explain the story and all that sort of stuff but like coworkers and folks that you 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 see in everyday life that you know even if they're not somebody you like you know sometimes those people are the are the most important because they don't they don't care if you're good, bad, or otherwise. They just notice you've been bad, right, lately. You know the
2: dry cleaner. Yeah, it's somebody you run into one you know once a week right. who doesn't have any interest in the case.
1: In our in our
2: brain injury case,
1: the woman uh, was of all things she was a bus driver by trade, right but she was a hell of a card player. And so she would go, and, and I never, you know, I, I, I assumed it was like a, you know, you get this picture of like the back room in the, in the movie or, you know, something like that where everybody's just, you know, three or four tables are going at once. But she, th- the big thing was we talked to somebody that was in, that was a regular in those same circles. She stopped kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> and, that, and that's what stuck out to him. Like, something's not right with her, you know, (laughs) like, well, she's got all these ringing in her ears throughout while she's trying to pay attention and see your signs and all that sort of stuff, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I I think one other really, really helpful thing to do for all of us is when meeting with our clients initially, you know, they're going through a lot and they're going to go through a lot over the next several months and maybe years. Um, But as we all know, the, the best time to remember those things and document that stuff is, is when they're going through it. And so, a lot of times, I, I tell my client, or I tell my client's spouse or, or close family member, whoever I know is going to really be going through this with the client, that doing a diary and documenting some of these important situations, you know, the type of pain they're in, how the pain is progressing, where the pain is um activities that they miss out on um events falling those type of things you document those things even briefly not on a daily basis because i don't want it to take over their lives by any means but taking those things and putting them down can help them and us uh remember and tell that story even better down the road and so i think that having our clients do those types of things can be very helpful too so those very important situations and and details aren't lost.
2: And by the way, um, if you haven't picked up um, the new Damages Evolving book by David Ball uh, and the Rowleys and Artemis, uh, a quick plug for that, Uh, book it is uh, on this issue of trying to make it clear the full extent of the uh, non-economics of the psychological harm Um, I think that does a tremendous job of of walking you through some of the things that we we may not think of
0: yeah finally got that book uh Sean last week spent a lot of time on vacation about halfway through it what a fantastic book Uh, Another plug, selfishly, is uh, we've got Artemis Malikpour coming uh, as our plenary speaker at OAJ's Winter Convention in November. So uh, get the book, read it, and then come listen uh, to her speak and and elaborate more on on methods and
2: and ways of doing better with our cases. That's a fantastic get. And while we're giving OAJ plugs, uh, let me also mention that on September 9th, Uh, OEJ is holding a scene of the crash CLE, it's a full day car crash CLE, led by emergency and medical professionals at the Wayne County Fire and Rescue Regional Training Facility. Topics will include trauma assessment, Ohio trauma triage protocol, sources for crash scene information. There will be several hands-on training experiences to cover patient packaging, car extrication, Ambulance and Trauma Assessment, and more, Uh, you can register now at oajustice.org slash events. Nate, Reese, thanks so much for joining us here on Civilly Speaking. Thanks for having us. It's been a
0: pleasure. look forward to seeing you soon, Sean.
2: For all our listeners out there, if you like our podcast, be sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you here on the next episode of Civilly Speaking.